Welcome inside the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Print and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Angelica Trenone here with you alongside Sam Coniglio to wrap up the end of the 2022 baseball season. So first, a quick recap. The Mountaineers went 0-2 at the Big 12 Conference Tournament, and that led to them being left out of the NCAA Tournament field, the 64-team field was announced on Monday before Sam and I give our thoughts on what went wrong for the Mountaineers to not earn a postseason berth. First, let's get the reaction from the skipper himself, Randy Mazie. Uh, obviously, hugely disappointed for the kids, you know, and as hard as they work to not get recognized for their efforts is, is pretty disappointing, you know, but I told them that you know, as hard as they worked this year and everything they accomplished and set records at your own school and do things that have never been done before. If, if you know in your heart that you did everything that you could do and committed everything that you can commit to achieve something, don't let a group of people who have no idea who you are uh, dictate the satisfaction you can get out of knowing that you did everything you could. So they should be proud of everything they accomplished and don't ever let somebody else's opinion change how you feel about yourself. So a disappointed skipper there for his team not making the postseason, but Sam, he called it a great year and said it was one that his team overachieved. In his opinion, he brings up some of those records. Most wins in Big 12 play with 14, West Virginia also set the stolen bases record with 156. Victor Scott has the individual record in that category this season with 38. The Mountaineers also earned their first ever series win at TCU and swept two Big 12 Conference series for the first time in a season in the Big 12 Conference as well. So that's West Virginia's resume. What it was working with, 33-22 and 22 ends up being the overall record. Was the resume enough? in your eyes, for West Virginia to make it into the postseason, or was that Big 12 conference showing really the dagger in the year for the Mountaineers? Well, you know, the, the biggest problem with their resume was, especially at the end of the season, the Big 12 tournament, that early exit, they put their destiny firmly in the hands of other people. You know, it, it just kind of reaffirms that you when you have the chance to control your destiny, you really need to take that control and they weren't quite able to do that that loss in the big 12 tournament was very disappointing um a couple of games here and there they probably could have won that that would have helped it there but um yeah they were they were a bubble team all the way and, and it just did not work out in the end at least and coach Maisie said on one of the final coaches shows of the year exactly what you said you don't want to leave your fate in the hands of someone else deciding Unfortunately, that is what happened to right. West Virginia uh, with that showing there at the Big 12 Conference Tournament. However, like we heard from Coach Maisie, he believes that his team had, you know, a, a stronger showing outside of what it showed at the tournament. But really, the problems at the tournament, Sam, seemed to be what had happened with West Virginia all year long. Just couldn't find that consistency. But like Coach said, anything that could have went wrong at the Big 12 Tournament to keep them out of the NCAAs, is exactly what happened. So unfortunately, the 2022 season is over for West Virginia. 
and it ends on a two-game skid, those two games at the Big 12 Conference Tournament. But let's add some positivity. Right. We're let's sad that. that the let's season has that. come to a close. But how about now, let's look at some of these great moments because obviously there were a lot of them this season for West Virginia. Ups, downs. Let's talk about the ups. If you had to pick a favorite moment of the season, one you look back and you remember the year, what is something that's going to stick out to you? One moment for me. That's tough. See, personally, I would say the uh, the PNC Park game against Pitt. Um, you know, they're undefeated at PNC Park. So the... The win isn't necessarily the special part, but for me, the experience of going there, getting right up on the field, seeing you know my favorite rivalry go down, it, it was it was pretty awesome. But as far as the team goes, I think maybe just if one moment that TCU series because that changed the whole trajectory of the season. They they had a really strong start to the non-conference schedule, and then they had to travel to Fort Worth to play TCU. That's something they never really did well. Like you said, it was their first series win at TCU, who was really a baseball powerhouse. And they were able to take two wins from the Horned Frogs, who went on to win the league. That really showed this team could compete, and they ended up competing they were in sixth place, but only two games behind the Horned Frogs in the standings. I think from that standpoint, Sam, when you look at this season, you see how competitive this team was, but also the fact that it really needed – that type of worthy competitor, if you would, to show up for these games. Right. Because you talk about the TCU series, they were able to take a game from Oklahoma State, competitive against Texas Tech. Same thing in game one versus Texas, but then you look at what happened, you know, in the Baylor series. Yes, they swept that, but that came in the ninth inning. I believe that one came really late. You look against Division II Charleston, it took them extra innings to win that one too. So, it seemed that West Virginia did have those big moments against big opponents, but I think it's maybe all of those little things that weren't against the big guys that kind of you know came into effect for West Virginia. Right. So if I'm looking at a favorite moment of the season, I like that you went with the PNC game. I've got two things that kind of stick out in my mind, and they're more just little things that happened other than a big moment, but the McGuire-Holbrook bat flip, yeah. After the two-run homer against Oklahoma State, that is something that just sticks out in my mind. Um, obviously, when West Virginia set the uh, stolen bases record, the way that the Mon just kind of erupted, that was a really cool moment. Yeah, but great. I also really enjoyed the Kevin Dowdell home runs as too. You know, I'm a home, a home run person. I guess that's my favorite of the season. But uh, for some reason, when I look back at this season – the steal of home plate against TCU and the McGuire-Holbrook bat flip are just two things that stick out in my mind. Yeah, and I, I, you brought up that Dowdell dinger. I mean, that was that was really fun. Uh, from the press box, he was a guy who had 15 at-bats before that, I think. I'm just kind of throwing around 15 at-bats. Yeah. And he just sent it into the parking lot. Like, nobody knew what to expect from this guy because he, we'd mostly seen him on the pitcher's mound up until that point. And now <laughs> – now he's hitting a game-tying home run um, in a really critical part of the season. Yeah, that, that, was, that was awesome. Coach Maisie had said that he will remember this year as one of the funnest teams that he's ever coached. We talked about some of those fun memories. And, you know, now West Virginia has the opportunity to build on that. And before Sam and I take a way-too-early look at the potential of the 2023 season for the Mountaineers, 
Let's just go ahead and share with you one more nugget of wisdom from the skipper because this one is a gem. This was his parting message to the team after they found out that their season had come to a close on Monday. It was a real negative today that that we didn't get the respect we deserve. So how do we turn that into a positive? Uh, I pulled a poker chip out of my pocket today and said, this is this is how we're going to play next year. And I put that chip on my shoulder and they've put us in a position now to play with a chip on our shoulder and to prove people to people that we're better than everybody thinks we are. And if you get a group of guys that have a chip on their shoulder and are trying to prove something, then you can turn this into a positive and, and, and play with a level of enthusiasm and energy that that you wouldn't have played with uh, had this not happened. So uh, we'll we'll show people. So the skipper using a poker chip as some inspiration. Pretty yeah, big message there. That makes you want to run through a wall, right? I mean, just hearing him describe that story was kind of funny. We, I don't mean to laugh during that because it's obviously kind of a somber moment, but. It's it's a pretty funny picture when you put it, put it in your head because Randy's a very mellow guy, but still that's very motivating. To, gets me going. <laughs> yeah, and when you hear that, Sam, and obviously the clips that we played here on the podcast, people aren't going to be able to see what Coach Maisie actually looked like delivering that. So I highly suggest you go to goldenbluenation.com to watch that full press conference with the skipper, his reaction to his team missing out on the NCAA tournament. But you could sense obviously the disappointment, the sadness with Coach Maisie. And I think that that just goes to show, even that post-game message, how much he really cares about this team. He was all very, stand tall, be proud of your season, don't let anybody take anything away from you. And I think that when you look at the records that they were able to achieve this year, I think that that just goes to show the buy-in from these guys year after year with him. Like, look at this team. Not much chemistry we didn't think coming in. It's made up of a lot of young players, a lot of transfers. But I think what they were able to do this season was pretty remarkable given that they didn't have the one thing that made them so dominant the last time they went to the NCAA tournament, which was pitching. So right. the skipper had a great story there with the poker chip. The next time we need to be invited to this this you know meeting with the team. Yeah, we'll keep it under wraps. We don't need to videotape. Well, no, we'll be to. in there in secret. Yeah, well, yeah, well, but we'll we'll be there in secret just so we can get in. We'll we'll give everybody the report. That was great. That yeah, was great. I would have loved to hear the full poker chip in the moment, not just his rendition of it. So we talk about the potential of this team in a perfect world. West Virginia would return everybody in the starting lineup next season. Um, probably not going to happen, we could say. So where do you think West Virginia stands going into the 2023 season? What is something you think they really need to work on in the offseason? But with the team that they have now, what do you think West Virginia can do to, like Coach Maisie said, prove to everybody next year West Virginia is a contender? I think, like you mentioned, they have the chance of returning all nine of their starters um, on offense. Uh, it, I, I think it's very likely that Jacob Waters goes pro. Um, he's kind of been tossed around. He was a preseason All-American. He's been tossed in that conversation even before the season started. But they have a non-zero chance 
of bringing back all nine bats. And then obviously they had a lot of good ones coming off the bench as well. Like you mentioned, Kevin Dowdell was a guy I'm, I would imagine he sees more playing time. What they need to figure out, though, is consistent starting pitching. Unless he leaves in the transfer portal, Ben Hampton will be back. He'll probably be the ace in the rotation, most likely. And he needs to improve that week-in, week-out performance. And then they need to find two or three more guys. Maybe bring Carlson Reed out into the rotation, get him going. Chris Sleeper, bring him back into the rotation. There are a lot of young players that got, got shots in the starting rotation, and we saw that turnover in the beginning of the season. If they can eliminate that, we're not having this conversation. We're previewing a regional. you know. So I think starting pitching, that's what they need to figure out. And I think Randy would agree with me. Hey, even Alec Manoa didn't become Alec Manoa until four years in. Exactly. With the maze, you know? Exactly. So I agree with what you're saying there, pitching. But if we take – we know three players who definitely won't be back, Trey Braithwaite, Zach Bravo, Chase Smith, have exhausted eligibility. Some of the guys who also graduated as well in Austin Davis and Tevin Tucker, but somebody who, you know, potentially could, just like Jacob Waters, go pro in a Victor Scott. So let's take – those three guys out of this equation and just look at what West Virginia has when you look at a McGuire Holbrook, J.J. Weatherholt, and Grant Hussey. Those guys, two through four on the list um, for West Virginia, leading in RBI right behind Victor Scott. The only players this year with 30 or more. Then you look at J.J. McGuire Holbrook. Also, they go two and three in hits behind Austin Davis, two and three in doubles as well. And then, of course, Grant Hussey leading everybody on the team with 11 home runs. So, we talk about the young players for this team, and Aiden Major out on the mound as well. Only right. got to see two Big 12 Conference tournament games, but we will always remember him for the six no-hit innings against Pitt, I think. That was uh, a fantastic little show. Absolutely. So these older players for West Virginia who have really been the heart and soul for this team, but I think one of the reasons Coach Maisie is so optimistic is because some of these younger guys that we just mentioned, that if you can keep them – in the program for a few years and an extended period of time. Uh, Dane Leonard as well, one of WVU's hottest hitters down the stretch. So yeah. I think that West Virginia has a pretty good team for next year, but I agree with you whenever it comes to pitching because at the beginning of the year, it seemed that West Virginia's base stealing ability was going to be something that could carry it. But if you look toward the end of Big 12 Conference play and going into the tournament, well, there's really only so much that you can do when all the teams realize that that's your bread and butter, right? Yeah. And then also times to when West Virginia couldn't get the bats consistently. But we have to remember Ben Hampton was just a sophomore. Jacob Waters was used to being a closer. We talk about Aiden Major. You give some of these uh, other guys a try and a freshman Chris Sleeper as well. So I think West Virginia's set up pretty well for the future. And if I'm these guys – and I hear this message from Coach Maisie, I'm, I'm ready to start tomorrow. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, one thing that I found very uh, encouraging is WVU, traditionally, the, the talking point every preseason is that they're a second-half team just because, you know, when you're playing teams like Texas, TCU, these teams can play 365 days a year. WVU, their first month of the season, they're shoveling off the field, getting snow off the, off the diamond. Um, so it, they usually have a, a, they have a bit of a warming up period. You know, a lot of those guys, like Davis, didn't need that. They were hot right out of the gate. But then again, Braden Barry, 
was the hottest, one of the hottest bats on the team to end the season. You mentioned Dane. A lot of these guys, they got they caught fire at the end of the season. If they can do that in February next year, then they don't really need to worry about replacing any bats if they lose them because they've already got them. Somebody we also didn't mention, Nathan Blasick. What a guy, too, coming in at the DH. So a lot of reasons, a lot of players that we listed for West Virginia to be optimistic heading into the next season. And, of course, Coach Maisie optimistic about the future of this team as well. But before we wrap up this episode, Sam, we were both on the press conference with Coach Maisie. We played a couple nuggets for everybody. What was your biggest takeaway whether it be something that he said or uh one of his talking points just what was your biggest takeaway from the final time that we heard from the skipper this year uh, it's something we kind of already knew but i mean that guy rides and dies with his team totally it was it was uh it, it was clear that he felt he should be preparing for a regional right now and it wasn't clear he straight up said it right you know he he felt his team kind of got hosed um, I'm not one to give my opinion on that or not. I'm not going to do that. But it, it was apparent that he thought they should have been in a regional. Um, he thought they had the resume. Uh, and he said the system was flawed, you know. Um, they And we'll be honest. They did pretty much everything they could do yeah. except win a couple more games. But th- it was very clear. He loves that team. He wants them to do well on and off the diamond. And, and um, you know, I, I think that's why they got – WVU got itself a good coach 10 years ago. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. And one of my takeaways just from the day has been the fans commenting on – even when we were at the Big 12 tournament, I noticed, um, you know, a lot of times when your teams aren't reaching your expectations or they're not playing well in tournaments or they're not doing what you think that they should be doing – we, we see a lot of negativity in the comments, but today, Monday, when if when West Virginia found out it wasn't going to the postseason, it, it kind of seemed an overwhelming amount of support for this team, just pouring in everyone saying, keep your head up, proud of these guys, we're proud of our baseball team. And I think that that also shows the the type of, you know, program Coach Maisie's building here. Because if you look at some of the games at the Mon, really since – 2019 we've seen those crowds get bigger and bigger a lot of great ones this year so great to see that even though it was a disappointing heartbreaking end for West Virginia that not only is Maisie behind his team and it's and they're obviously behind themselves but they truly do have this fan base that understands what he is building here and also it seems that they see the potential for this team as well you're totally right I mean Look, if if you paid attention to this team, you you know they were good enough to play in the tournament. You know, it just became a question of resume, and it's always tough to decide who's who's more deserving. But I mean, it seems like most of our fans, or our fans, most of WVU's fans, I should say, really uh, they they locked into the into the season and really saw they were a deserving team of of a shot. Not necessarily um, obviously yeah. getting in, but. Yeah, they, they saw they did all they could. Well, we surely hope that our fans will be locked into the Golden Blue Nation podcast for episodes to come. This may be our final time here with you recapping the baseball season, but 
our coverage of Mountaineer sports is definitely far from over. So before we close things out, first, let's turn your attention to a potential NCAA champion for West Virginia, that being track and field's Kaylee McCabe. She's a two-time Big 12 champ in the 3,000-meter steeplechase, placed third in the event at the East Regional Championships over the weekend. So she'll be competing for a national title coming up next week in Eugene, Oregon. And of course, we'll keep you updated on McCabe and all other things West Virginia athletics on TV with our daily Mountaineer Minutes on the website, GoldenBlueNation.com and on the always free Golden Blue Nation app on your favorite Apple or Android devices. For Sam Coniglio, I'm Angelica Trinone. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Print and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.